Welcome to Two Nutrition Gals and a Mic podcast with Suzanne and Kim. Suzanne is a licensed functional nutrition coach and Kim is a registered dietitian. We're two nutrition professionals with a passion for educating folks about the power diet and lifestyle choices have on our mental and physical wellness. Our goal for this podcast is to present information about common and sometimes not so common health and wellness issues and provide a perspective that may differ somewhat from what we've learned from conventional medicine. It's pretty informal, sometimes a little goofy, but always informative. That we can promise. Keep in mind, though, this podcast is for educational purposes only. It's not meant to treat, diagnose, or replace medical care. That being said, let's dive into our next episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our podcast. We're having a great day here in Halifax. Suzanne and I are sitting on the back deck in the warm sun listening to the birds chirping, which we're hoping you can hear in the background. And hoping we get to hear it for the rest of the week because it's quite lovely. Hi, Suzanne. How are you? I'm good, Kim. How are you? Good. (laughs) So today we're going to talk about fats, or at least a small portion of the fat topic. It's very large. Very large (laughs) topic, so we're just going to focus on one part of it. Um, I think Suzanne and I, you and I discussed being part of that generation of uh, low-fat diets and that fat was bad. Um, I I don't know very many people that didn't buy some sort of fat-free. Right. You look at the calorie-wise craft dressings that we we all always used. Yeah. I remember as a child, my mom going on the low-fat diet to lose weight, and everything in her house was fat-free. <laughs> um, she used to make this um, cauliflower and broccoli salad with plain fat-free yogurt, and then like cup cups of sugar. Sugar. To, you, you had to make it taste. Yeah, and make it, it did. taste edible. It did yeah. taste good. Yeah, but yeah. very high in sugar and but fat-free. Yeah. Um, So this low-fat era actually started in the mid-70s. In the 60s and the early 70s, researchers were investigating ways to limit the incidence of people dropping dead from heart attacks prematurely. So I guess that was an issue at that time. I mean, it still happens. But, you know, smoking was already on everybody's radar at the time. So a physician named Dr. Nathan Pritkin, sorry if I butchered that last name, (laughs) in 1976, um, issued papers and had a conference and and stated he believed you could reverse heart disease with diet changes. And thus the era of low fat started. Um, So he was right and he was wrong. He was right and he was wrong. Well, it got misconstrued in a way. His goal was to have people eat more carbs and less fat, but those carbs were in the form of whole grains, fruits, and vegetables. So it, that, that was the intention. That was the intention. Yeah. And it's kind of the same message we have today about totally. eating more fruit and vegetables. But, you know, that got lost in translation and people viewed it as fat is bad and carbs are good. And so this led to the creation of fat-free foods. Just about anything you can think of, sour cream, salad dressing, cookies, muffins, yogurts. Milk. Um, take the fat out and add lots of sugar. That was the mantra of the food processing industry at the time, and those products were flying off the shelf. Oh, People were buying them like crazy. Huge. So that just expanded that that you know little 
almost reinforced it, right? Because it just it, made yeah, it grow Because you could even get bigger. anything you wanted in a fat-free. Yeah. Um, so I remember eating pretzels because they were low-fat, even though I didn't like pretzels. <laughs> oh, but they're low-fat. So that's kind of when it started. The outcome of that fad is, because coincidentally, not coincidentally, I should say, is when the population started getting heavier and heavier, less healthy, and there were higher incidences of obesity and diabetes. People had decreased insulin sensitivity, higher triglyceride levels, their good cholesterol levels dropped, and their bad cholesterol levels skyrocketed. You saw increased prevalence of metabolic syndrome, which for those of you that don't know is a cluster of symptoms and conditions that you need to have three or more of. Yes. Um, High blood pressure, abdominal obesity, high blood sugar, and abnormal cholesterol and triglyceride levels. Having said that, um, obviously we're implying that some fats are better than others because when we went to this low-fat diet regime we didn't get the results we were hoping for so today Suzanne is going to and I are going to focus on two essential fatty acids and just going forward in future podcasts for those of you that don't know if we're talking about something being essential that means we have to get it from eating or our diet all right Suzanne do you want to elaborate a little farther on the two essential fatty acids we're focusing on today? Sure, I'd love to. So these days, I think most of us believe and understand that fat is actually not the enemy. Um, And if you don't think that, we're hoping that by the end of this episode, you'll have converted your opinion. Our bodies need fat uh, for energy, growth, brain health, uh, inflammation, and that's both to reduce inflammation and promote inflammation. 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 And also to heal in general. Healthy fat can regulate blood clotting, cardiovascular disease, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, allergic conditions, hormone production, and uh, mood and mental disorders like anxiety, schizophrenia, and bipolar disorder. Uh, The topic of fat is actually pretty far-reaching, and it's so much so that Uh, As Kim said, we're going to kind of focus on the essential fatty acids, omega-6 and 3. And as she, again, as she said, they're referred to as essential fatty acids because we can't make them in the body. So that means we need to get them through our food and supplements and or supplements. Uh, Our bodies actually lack the enzyme needed to form them. So that's actually why we can't make them. Uh, they're also omega-7 and 9, uh, but we don't, and they're, they're important in the body, but they're not considered essential. essential. And, uh, you know, they have different reasons for wanting to use them, but today we're just going to stick mostly with 6 and 3. Omega-3 acts as an anti-inflammatory in the body, and omega-6 typically is more pro-inflammatory. We need both of these types of fatty acids, Um and we need to get both of them through food. The key here is that the ideal ratio between the two should be something less than four to one, and that's omega-6 to omega-3. I actually think uh, two to one is something better to strive for. One thing I found startling to learn, though, is that the typical Western diet provides a ratio of 
20 to 1, omega-6 to 3, and can often go even as high or be as high as 40 to 1. So you've got 20 or 40 times the ratio or the amount of omega-6 pro-inflammatory fats in your body to the anti-inflammatory. The highly processed nature of a typical diet where you have lots of fast food, fried meals, processed seeds, and seed and vegetable oils, these contain excessive amounts of omega-6, which, again, as we said, is the pro-inflammatory or promotes inflammation in the body. Um, We've mentioned, I'm sure, lots of times in the other two episodes, and I'm highly likely to repeat it in the fall of the ones to come, that inflammation is a root cause of most disease. And a ratio of 20 to 1 or 40 to 1, omega-6 to 3, in a typical diet is a huge factor in the rise of inflammatory diseases that our healthcare system is currently dealing with. Right. Now, as I said, we need both of these types of fats. Um, there are over 60 conditions that can benefit from essential fatty acids, both of them, and we can't make either one of them. Because they have an extensive role in every cell in the body, they really are critical for optimal health. So it's it's something that um, it's super important to think about it and to be aware of it. Because I don't I don't know yeah. that that many people think about it when you're again after the uh, the craze of the low fat diet. It's been a really difficult thing for people to change, change that right yeah. and, and to change your thought process that fat is not bad it's actually very good um although omega-6 is pro-inflammatory in the body we need that function to help heal from wounds fight infection and prevent disease right so we need a little bit of inflammation Abs- absolutely. at specific times we yeah. just don't need as much as most of us are getting which, again, we don't need that. Again, we, we need it for things. I mean, that's how your body fights disease, right? That's yep. the reaction. Yep. When your immune system yep. kicks in, it yep. creates inflammation, inflammation to save you. So but that's where the omega-6 pro-inflammatory essential comes in, is that in those situations where we need the inflammation, we're there. It's there. It's which, there to provide it. Yeah. We just don't need it in the quantities exactly, that, exactly. that we're getting it. Um, yeah, so the, that's, again, therein lies the problem. Most of us are getting far more omega-6 than we need without any, without even realizing it, right? So then we have the issue of omega-3 and the fact that we simply are just not getting enough in our diet for the most part. It's actually one of the least abundant essential acid, sorry, essential fatty acids in most people's diet, largely due to the limited amounts of fresh veggies that people tend to eat. Omega-3 in its anti-inflammatory nature um, is actually really effective uh, in what it's intended to do in the body. I actually had, I keep saying actually, sorry about that. I need to, I need to try to stop saying actually. (laughs) I had managed to get my RA symptoms pretty well under control, but just, just through diet and lifestyle changes. But it was when I started to supplement my diet regularly with omega-3 that the inflammation markers in my blood work actually disappeared. So it's pretty amazing stuff, and it's pretty effective. Just to note quickly, there it gets a little complicated in terms of when you break down chemically break down the components of it but there are two types of omega-3 fatty acids and you'll notice that if you see it on a bottle if you read anything about it they're epa and dha the actual names are 
hard to pronounce, yeah. and, but you can find it easily with a quick Google search, yeah. so I'm not going to try to pronounce them here. Each type is anti-inflammatory, and most omega-3 supplements have both of them, um, but there are certain conditions that may benefit from a higher ratio of one than the other. That's beyond what we're going to get into today, but definitely something I can help you with if you wanted to message directly. Either one of us can help you with it, so uh, yeah, yeah. So, okay, I've talked enough. Now, Kim, we're going back to you. We know these fatty acids are essential because we can't make them ourselves and we need to eat them, basically. Right. For the most part, we already get enough omega-6. So um, I tend to focus on where we can get omega-3. Kim, what do we want to eat in order to get these important fatty acids? So I recommend that we eat a variety of whole foods, that are rich in omega-3 fatty acids. Those include um, our fatty fishes, so mackerel, salmon, cod liver oil, herring, oysters, sardines, and anchovies. So I need half, at least half yeah. of what's on that I list. Don't eat any of that. <laughs> um, as well as olives and olive oil, uh, flax, chia seeds, hemp, coconut oil. So those are all also available in oil forms. So they'd be high in omega-3s. Berries, leafy greens, beans, winter squash, broccoli, cauliflower, and cabbage. So all that yummy stuff. Yeah. That we well, that we do. I mean, I don't, we probably don't eat it in enough of them, most right. of us. But no, we don't. All, those are good foods. And... Um, we're also going to recommend you try and cut back maybe on your omega-6 uh, consumption. So Very those important. are things like safflower oil, sunflower oil and sunflower seeds, corn oil, um, soybean oil, walnuts, pumpkin seeds. So I will mention that some of these things like walnuts you might see appear as a good source of omega-3. So some of these foods have high levels of omega-3 as well as high levels of omega-6, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. We're really trying to stay away from the things like safflower oil or sunflower oil that has no omega-3 in it. It's only omega-6s. And those are things that you'll find a lot in a packaged product. So if you read the ingredients, which I'm always telling people to do as much as possible if you if you read the ingredients lots of times those are the oils that are used in those products and again eating those things is just going to drive up your ratio when you're trying to bring the ratio down to a more manageable level and a more beneficial level then yeah that's what you'll find in those in those products so you can it's not that we you don't need omega-6 because you do we've already discussed that it's just we over consume it Mm -hmm. so making changes where you can will help And another thing to consider is that excessive alcohol intake can inhibit the conversion of enzymes to change your fatty, your omega-3s into that DHA and the EPA forms. So another thing... That's interesting to note. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Limit alcohol intake. So what does limit mean? hard to say i'm sure a glass of wine a day is fine i think you know like everything else it's dependent on the person and everything in moderation and and yeah yeah so if you're somebody like me who doesn't like seafood at all um it will be challenging to get your quota of omega-3 fatty acids from your food 
in those situations, you should consider a supplement. Um, supplementation for omega-3s, this is can be a little bit complicated, confusing, <laughs> just because of the variety of omega-3 supplements that are out there and that are available. Um, the best form of omega-3 supplementation would be a fish oil. Um, that's what most of them, I think that's what a large portion of them most are. Most of them are, fish yes. Oils. Um, you can get some hemp-based yep, yep. and algae-based. For vegan and vegetarian yep. options, I think. Yep. Right. Um, so I don't like fish, but I'm able to take a fish oil in a capsule and, you know, it's fine. I get my omega-3s that way. One thing to consider when you're looking for a supplement for omega-3s is to just read the bottle and make sure it's in the form of a triglyceride. And that's really all you have to remember is that you want it to be in that form. There are some other forms of omega-3, um, ethyl esters. It doesn't, it's not important that we know what those are, but essentially the triglyceride form is the most easily absorbed. So that's what we're, you know, obviously striving for. So, um, make sure the supplement you choose is in that form. Kim and I actually take the same brand, the brand that we love and that I think is is highly recommended anyway is Nutrisy. And the nice thing is it's a Nova Scotia yes, product. It is. Yeah. I take the liquid. I actually just toss it in my smoothie, but t- uh, Kim uses and actually so does my husband uses the liquid gels and either or is fine. It's it just yep. depending on what you want to pay for and and how you like to take it. And some Fish oil supplementation in capsule form are notorious for calling, um, causing fishy burps is what they call them. And basically I've had some of those where you really do kind of have this taste of fish in your mouth. This particular brand, I don't no, get that. So, good. you know, if you're using something that is giving you that and you don't like it, then you should try something else. And I think that's a, that typical of a higher quality one as well is that it will tend not to have that effect on you so it's it this is one of those supplements that you want to pay for pay for yeah yeah. you get what you pay for um and this kind of goes into my next point is that there are you know i think of the costco brand of omega-3s and it's not that they're bad for you it's just the amount of um EPA and DHA that it contains is not that much, and you end up having to take take a whole boat, ten or twelve of them a yeah. day. They're also in a clear capsule and a clear right. bottle. We'll talk about yeah. that a little bit more later. But when you're looking at a supplementation and it says a thousand milligrams, that could just be a thousand milligram capsule. It doesn't necessarily mean, yeah. yes, it doesn't mean that it's containing a, a thousand milligrams of omega-3. So you should look and see what the, what those two EPA and DHA levels are in it. And that's the amount that you're getting. And pay attention to, to the serving size. Cause oftentimes serving you want to make yes. sure that you're taking the serving size and not kind of the capsule size sometimes in some of them there's a difference between the two so you want to make sure of that as well so the one we use it's based on the serving size and it's not based on capsules so makes it easy yeah so um just some things to remember um you can also look there are some a few organizations out there that are third party and they kind of give 
nutrition supplements a seal of approval. So, you know, there's many of them, but, you know, that's always a plus if you can find some sort of third-party seal of approval. Um, also, supplements that are, some of them will say right on them that they're approved by a third party. So that actually, it'll say it right on the bottle. So yeah. that's an indicator that it's yeah. it's been it, kind of if, uh, if they evaluated. Have, yeah, if they have been approved by a third party, they're definitely putting it on their bottles yeah. because it is a good thing to have. Sure, sure. Um, also, always check the expiry date. So oils can go rancid and um, essentially spoil. So, you know, if you're buying a big bottle of omega-3 supplementation and you're buying six months supply and it's only got a two-month light shelf life left on it, then you shouldn't buy that one. No, it's actually not good for you to take them if they're beyond no, the expiry date. actually health implications yeah. that can harm you. So, you know, Essentially, my recommendation is not to buy these supplementations in bulk. It may be cheaper, but you're not going to get from them essentially what you should be getting because of that shelf life and things degrade and approaching that expiry date. So, you know, a month at a time would be awesome if you can can do that, maybe two months, as long as you're not ending up with omega-3 supplements that are sitting in your cupboard for, for months at a time. Yeah, a like, year and a half. Also, yeah. they'll, But they'll also tell you kind of how to store it, so pay attention to that too. If it yes. says to keep it in the fridge, put them in the fridge. If it says that they're stable at room temperature, then that's a good indicator probably. If they're a half-decent quality supplement, then uh, especially for, again, omega, this is kind of where we're we're speaking more so in terms of oils here yes um so if it does say it's okay on the counter chances are good that it is but if it tells you to keep them in the fridge then you want to put them in the fridge yeah and you should look for um especially if you're using liquid um omega-3 supplementation you should look for glass bottles uh the oil can break down the plastic um as it's not a good thing. And you want the glass to be colored. So browns are popular, even a green. Just something that will help block UV rays and even light rays from your your household your lights. Um, those are all forms of energy and can, and can speed up the... Breakdown, breakdown of, of fat molecules yeah. and make yeah. it go rancid sooner. So you ideally want to keep your omega-3 supplementation in a dark cupboard um, or in the fridge if it needs to be um, in a colored glass bottle and that'll protect it. Ideally, you could look for an organic non-GMO. Again, I think as you head towards meeting all these criteria, you're getting into the more expensive. Yeah, But it's there's no point in buying a supplementation that's not going to give you what you think it should be getting. No. As my prof used to say, I think I mentioned this in one of the podcasts already, that he'd say if you're not really spending on a quality supplement and taking it the the proper way, then you're kind of just generating really expensive urine. Yeah. So yeah. there's, there really isn't any point. And in some cases, it's worse than not taking. Well, and, it, and you should look at how much it contains of the EPA and the DHA. Like if it's a cheaper supplement, but you got to take twice as many capsules, yeah. that's something else you have to consider. You don't want to have to take six or seven capsules no. of these things. They're pretty big. Yeah. So 
Um, and the storage that we're talking about regarding um, supplements is the same with the oils, yep. right? They Any with the of. the regular oils that we were talking about that you were talking yep. about earlier. Yep. So are all subject to the same uh, risks of breakdown. Uh, you know, there's some vegetable oils that you can buy in a clear plastic bottle. And a I whole bunch of them. My dad has a lot of them. And I don't understand why. Why? Why they're even packaged that way. Yeah. Because most consumers don't realize. Right. Right? You don't. Yeah. You just no. don't know. So you, you've you got vegetable oil that comes in a clear plastic container. Yeah. And people keep it in their right. cupboard. Yeah. Right? Or, or on their the counter. they size at Costco exactly. and it'll take them a year to use it. It's not a good practice. <laughs> um, you know, think of it as anything else. Would you buy a bulk thing of bread and leave it on the counter? Yeah. Anything. Right? Milk. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So another thing to look for with when choosing your supplementation is to make sure that it's cold pressed. Again, um, we're adding to the cost here because it's more expensive to produce a cold-pressed omega-3 supplement. Conversely, if if they're not cold-pressing, then they're using heat and chemicals to press um, whatever they're using. To extract the the oil. From it, and that degrades the flavor and the nutritional quality, not to mention the potential harm that, you know, these... Chemicals that are using they're using to uh, retrieve right, the, the oils ad- added junk yeah. in what you're doing, and that's the same again for the nut and seed oils yeah. that and the olive oils and the avocado oils and yeah. all those things. Right? So right, so we kind of focused on omega three and six, but all of this stuff could be said for any time of fat, any type of fat. Um, and so we spoke a little bit about you know, these supplementations or any fat for that matter going rancid and it it's due to time, heat, UV, light, and it causes the fat molecules to break down and essentially you're not getting the same product that you thought you were and it's highly recommended that you avoid getting to the point where your fat your um fat consumption is including rancid fat. And if you're taking an omega three supplement and it's gone rancid, you may not know. Because you're just taking it in capsule form and you're not really tasting it. So you yeah, just especially if it's capsule because it's yeah. actually the capsule is made to make sure it gets down through yeah. into your system before it breaks down. So you, yeah, so you really wouldn't necessarily no. associate it with. So you, again, just to be aware of not buying too much. Um, you know, the quicker you go through it and replenish, the better. And um, just one more thing that I just wanted to touch on. Um, When we consume vegetables that are rich in omega-3, it's in the form of ALA, which we haven't talked about yet. And I'm not trying to confuse you. It's a very long scientific word. (laughs) But essentially in a nutshell. But you can also Google if you need to. Right. And then compare that to our kind of animal-based like fish oil supplementations, the omega-3 is already in the EPA or DHA form. In the form that we need. All that means is that it's more easily absorbed when you take it from a fish oil as opposed to some of these flax or chia seeds, which are the plant oil. Um, you may need to take more of a flax supplement or a chia seed supplement than you would if you took a fish oil mm-hmm. um, without getting into it too much. But... That's just something to be aware of.
So we've discussed the benefits of omega-3s and the health benefits of it, but maybe we should be a little more specific on some of those benefits. What do you think? I think that's a good idea. So we, we know that, I think it's it's pretty well known that um, these omega essential fatty acids can um, help with things like cardiovascular disease and blood pressure and um, and just general inflammation, but I think there's a couple things I just wanted to just interesting uh, issues that or things that that omega three can uh, can help that we might not be they're they're not so obvious and they're not so well known. So I just jotted down a couple things that I thought were kind of cool. Um, the first one is dry eyes. Uh, dry eyes actually caused when your tears are lacking fatty acids. So, and this would be all of the fatty acids, not specific to omega-3, but these fatty acids mix with the water and mucus in your tears, and it helps to prevent them from evaporating too quickly. So if you're somebody that suffers from dry eyes, uh, omega increasing your omega-3, um, all of them, I guess, would be uh, might be beneficial to you. Um, it's really useful for postpartum depression. I thought this one was pretty cool. So if you, you want to make sure that when you're pregnant, you get enough omega-3 in your diet, uh, it's super important to do that because it will help with, with postpartum or can help with postpartum depression after giving birth. Studies have shown that countries where more fatty fish is consumed um, they have lower rates of women who experience postpartum depression. So that, again, that's one of those really useful tidbits, I think, that are safe. Uh, yeah. They're important. It's important for a mom to get those anyway because my next one goes into the importance of it for fetal and infant health. Well, and but it, makes, it makes sense, right? It, Our brain is so dependent absolutely. on those fatty acids. that Our brain is like, how about percentage of 60, 60%? Yeah. Fat, yeah. So, um, and and this is something kind of close to to me. I had issues with that after I had all my kids, and and you know, again, no idea about any of this stuff. So it's nice to know those things. That um, it can be a starting point for sure. And, absolutely. You know, it, I mean, it goes along with again healthy diet and yeah. exercise and a lot of yeah. a lot of things. But but the, the same fact old that, thing we're right, that we just keep talking about. But it is it is nice to know that there are again safe things you can and safe and specific things you can do that aren't necessarily a medication that are safe for you and your baby in this case um so that leads into the third one so fetal and infant health and development um are things that that omega are well their omega-3s are important for that. Studies have found that omega-3 consumed during pregnancy is associated with improved neurological, sorry, neurodevelopmental outcomes in children later in life with respect to uh, problem-solving and language development. Um, and also interesting to note is that levels of DHA in breast milk correlate directly with the mother's intake. So when mom supplements with milk, or sorry, supplements with omega Three, she can be sure that her baby is getting it as well. From and, breast milk. Right. And again, brain development. Yeah. So important in in uh, inside and outside yeah. for babies. Um, 
this one's a cool one too that uh it helps it can help your digestive tract so things medications um like aspirin sulfasalazine and corticosteroids are often used in treatment and management of things like colitis and IBD, which is irritable bowel disease. Omega-3 actually works in the same way as these medications by helping to reduce the inflammation in the digestive tract without the nasty side effects that some of those medications can have. And I can speak to uh, specifically to the side effects of sulfasalazine because I took it for many years and uh, it's, it's hard on your gut. So, uh, or it can be, it was hard on mine. So, um, so that's kind of a cool thing that Yep. Uh, that you can do. I actually, I read something about a woman who had uh, Crohn's and she stopped taking medications because, well, she was able to, she, she was able to control and kind of completely reverse her Crohn's uh, problems or, or disease by change, by supplementing with omega-3s and using the plant the oils that we've talked about, yep. or you talked about with the uh, the plant-based oils. So we're not recommending that necessarily. No, 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 no. It's just um, interesting but to know there that... There has been some success stories, yep. yeah. Yep, yep. No, of course not. And it all depends on you, on you personally, and as we said, a whole lot of other things. But it's interesting to note that omega-3 acts in the same way as these medications that they typically use for those um, conditions. Uh, and the last one I have is uh, help for the lungs. Omega-3s can actually help reduce the need for puffers in ex- exercise-induced asthmatics, which is kind of cool. Uh, and they've also been used in the treatment of COPD and cystic fibrosis. Uh, by increasing the intake of omega-3s, you can increase the anti-inflammatory um, essential fatty acids, which would be omega-3s, of the white blood cell membranes, and those are the cells that fight against infections that can make breathing even more difficult for these patients. So um, I know that those folks really suffer, um, especially when they get an infection. So it's... Uh, yeah, that's why COVID is so bad for them. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So um, I don't... And again, that's probably um, something to think about with respect to COVID, that omega-3s probably would... Um, just, I don't know, help support your body so yes. that if you did get the infection, that yeah. it may be less severe. Better equipped or, to fight it off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, as is the case with a lot of the things that we talk about. But but yeah, so I just thought those were some cool things that were a little different than the, the typical... Yeah, the more well-known conditions that omega-3 helps with. Yeah, because, yeah, and again, a lot of them are... are uh, well, I guess half of them are inflammation-based, but it's not just inflammation too. So um, yeah, so... Those are some cool little tidbits. All right, so we've had lots of good talking points here. Um, I think we can maybe summarize some of those points and try and wrap it all together. Um, I think the first thing to point out is that low-fat and no-fat diets are a thing of the past, and they're not a good thing for anyone. I mean, that's very general. You might have some rare medical conditions where your doctor might tell you you have to have a low-fat diet. But generally speaking, if you're in good health, you don't need to worry about it. You should be eating fats. Um, we need to be eating them regularly. And we also need to be choosing them wisely and deliberately. So not all fats are created equal. Mm-hmm. We tried to make that clear today. Um, 
you know, try and stick to those uh, healthier options. Yeah, right. That are high in omega threes. Yep. Yeah. Um, essential fatty acids can help great deal in managing systems and controlling disease, particularly with uh, those where inflammation is a problem. And omega-6s are plentiful in our typical Western diet. We consume plenty um, omega-6s, omega-6s, sorry. Mm-hmm. Not, not, that same cannot be said about the omega-3s, so we need to focus on the omega omega-3s and the uh, omega-6s we do consume a lot of times are in our processed fried deep fried foods which then degrade them and even though we do need some omega-6s those aren't the best quality so we need to focus on more omega-3 we want to lower our intakes of omega-6 fix that ratio right bring fix the ratio, that ratio down, exactly that's great way to super say important it. yep uh, healthy nut and seed oils are great options for increasing the amount of omega-3 in our diet, as well as the actual whole nuts and seeds. Just remember that it's important to store all of these in the refrigerator, even the seeds, because the oils can quickly turn rancid at room temperatures. Also important, if you're purchasing supplementation, to purchase organic, non-GMO, cold-pressed oils, and make sure they come in a dark glass bottles, and that will help extend their shelf life. And nuts and seeds should be raw, as roasting damages the oils in the nuts and seeds, even though roasted nuts and seeds taste Are tend to tasty. taste a whole lot they, better. Yeah. They're not, they, they really aren't as healthy, so they uh, their well, composition has been changed somewhat. We're so. exposing those oils to heat. To heat. And, and heat can... Yeah, and chemicals. Yeah. So... Um, and also just there's some other, as I mentioned at the end there, just some other conditions or some specific conditions um, that omega supplement, omega-3 supplementation can be very useful um, in, in helping control those issues or, and or alleviating them. So, um, so supplementation is really something when it comes to omega-3. It's an important thing, yeah. I think, for all areas of of health and wellness, yeah. um, as I as I think that most of the things we we have spoken of and will speak of in the future, really do kind of tie in a whole lot of different areas of health. But yeah. this is a big one, I think. So it's so um, big that we've broken it into two podcasts. We have. So be sure to tune in next week when we'll continue this wonderful discussion about fats. Um, and can, what's what's the deal? More specifically, kind of the one the ones you want to avoid, Trans right? Fats, yeah, um, yeah. You know, saturated versus unsaturated, and the different types. And, and there's a bit of controversy with a lot of those. A too, little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yep. so tune in next week because uh, I think you'll be you'll be glad you did because there'll be full of more information it might wrap this this podcast up a little bit better too but it was just so much information it wasn't possibly do it in one yep yep so So everybody have a great week and uh please watch for our next episode next week take care